Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and this week is part two of our spotlight on Metro Theatre Company. This week, we're taking a look at their upcoming world premiere musical, Spells of the Sea, directed by Julia Flood and written, composed, and starring Guinevere Govea, both of whom are my guests today. Welcome, Julia and Gwenny. Thank you. We're glad to be here. So excited to have you both on. To start us off with, and Julia, you can start us off, what made you fall in love with musical theatre? Oh, well, I think like many of us, it was my first introduction to theatre really was listening to music from great musicals. And and my mother was a musician. She was a music teacher in elementary schools. And so she would sing a lot of songs from great musicals with all of us when we were growing up. And and, you know, once you're hooked on theater and then on musical theater, it, it's a natural progression from there <laughs> to the stage, I think. Oh, that's so beautiful. What a nice thing that you are now part of a children's theater and kind of carrying on that legacy in a different way. Yeah, that's yeah. Really and beautiful. I think musical theater lets you express emotions in a huge way, right? It takes you that extra step into putting your heart out there on the stage and young people really respond to that. So I love doing straight plays as well, but musical theater takes it that extra step and lets young people feel the feelings of the actor in that moment. So that's a wonderful thing. Beautiful. And how about you, Gwenny? Yeah. So my love for musical theater sort of started when I was in fifth grade. My sister's high school was putting on a production of The Music Man. And I watched it and it was just something that was so magical to me. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like people are like singing and they're dancing on stage. And it was just a lot of fun. And ever since then, I've been just really fascinated with music in general. And I've also just really enjoyed just acting and and plays and all of those things. So all those things combined sort of made like my favorite thing in the world, which is musical theater. So I've been hooked ever since. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious, did you both watch filmed musicals growing up or through your training? I have very vivid memories of Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. I don't know when I saw that, but but that was that had a big impact on me. And I I do think sometimes I watch filmed musicals and think, "Oh, that's better on the stage." But sometimes a film can take it even further than it than when it was um, on the stage. So uh, it's a really interesting conversation, I think, between a filmed musical and a staged musical. Um, and well, how about what, a, a filmed yeah. live musical where it's filmed ah, live on stage? <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one of those that I remember was actually live on television, the Cinderella back in the day when I was a kid. Again with Julie Andrews, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that one was. Oh, I've forgotten her name. That's terrible. But uh, it was Leslie, it was the uh, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein one that was done for the Cinderella for television. With I do remember Pat Carroll was one of the stepsisters, and she was hilarious. But uh, yeah, that was fascinating to me because it was both live and it was television. So you know. Um, that was fun. I don't yeah. know, but Gwenny, did you uh-huh. watch a lot of live um, film? I I watched a little bit of Cats, the musical, um, but I was like very young, so it, it scared me a little bit. <laughs> I think because <laughs> the people in the in the cats costumes, I don't know. It was just it, it was a little bit frightening. But I I remember I think it was. Shrek the musical I watched that one filmed live and that one was really Mm. like really exciting to me and I I really loved it and I don't know I think that like Shrek in a musical version somehow was like more enticing to me than the movie version of Shrek so yeah 
I, that's a really yeah. great capture too. And one that's like unusually very widely available, uh, like a mm-hmm. Broadway musical that's widely available um, on screen. I was just trying to look up who that, Leslie Ann Warren was the Cinderella. Yes, that, that was version. it. That was it. Yeah. And <laughs> the earlier version was, the first one was Julie Andrews. And then the yes. next version was Leslie Ann. And then uh, Brandy was in the next iteration, although that was a movie. Yes, a, right. Life for TV. It was picking up my brain. <laughs> uh, so let's fast forward to around 2020-ish. Gwenny, you had written a musical prior to Spells of the Sea, which was Trash the Musical. Mm-hmm. And I love that, well, I don't love that the pa- pandemic got in the way of you putting it on, but I love that you still recorded it and um, put it out into the world. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah. So uh, Trash the Musical was actually the first show that I wrote. It was like half jukebox because I was just really apprehensive about like the idea of like writing a musical. It was like, it was something a little bit scary for me. And so I I saw this band uh, in local in Austin and they were called the Therapy Sisters and I really loved their music. And so I used sort of like half of their songs and then I created half of the rest of the musical with my own songs that I had written. And we performed a sort of like black box production. It was like a staged reading of the show and that was really cool. And I was like, oh, I, I really love doing this. And then like um, our audience that came, it was mostly my friends, but they seemed to really enjoy it. And so I was like, oh, I really want to pitch this to New Works Festival because I like sort of put it into like a, a larger production because that was sort of the way that we would like put on shows as students at UT. But then that ended up like, you know, the pandemic ended up happening and so we couldn't do it. But we did end up recording an original Black Box cast um, album <laughs> for it. And I think that was completely virtual. It was over the summer and the cast was super down to do it. They were like, yeah, we want to be on Spotify and stuff. And so we all just sort of like created this sort of system where we could have the actors record at home and then they would send the files to me. And then I sort of just like mix and then had a bunch of help from like other people that knew a lot more than me in terms of like mixing and mastering. And then we were able to put it on Spotify and a bunch of other streaming platforms. So that was exciting. Yeah. It sounds like the University of Texas has a really amazing support system for the theater students. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say that Megan Allritz, who was our faculty advisor whenever we were working on Spells of the Sea, she was so, so helpful. And like the faculty in general at UT is just so supportive of like new work and and students developing new projects. So I'm really grateful to Megan Allritz for helping us like get to Metro and beyond. But yeah, I think UT is, is a great place to nurture and foster like new work and and to like grow and develop your craft as an artist. And so let's now fast forward to Spells of the Sea, mm-hmm. which began as a quarantine project in your dorm room and then became yeah. a podcast. What was the process from becoming a podcast to um, being part of the virtual New Works Festival at UT? Yeah. So we actually, I was thinking about pitching spells as a podcast to the New Works Festival because I wanted to do like Trash the Musical and then my roommate Anna was going to direct Trash. Um, but then that ended up not happening. So we were like, oh, we don't like I didn't think that Trash was like a Zoom theater sort of piece because that was like sort of the backup plan. Um, I, I just really wanted it to be on a stage. And so I was like, what if like I made something that was like completely different and I'd listened to a bunch of different like sort of podcast musicals. There was like an episodic one called The Two Princes and it was about um, two gay princes. And I was just really, I loved it so much. It was for kids and it was so entertaining and I really loved the story of it. And I was like, oh, I want to make something kind of like this. Um, and so I wrote, um, I just started like writing music. Um, it wasn't originally built like Spells of the Sea was not originally built to be a podcast, but then I had been listening to so many. And then we were told that the New Works Festival at UT would be completely virtual. And so I was like, okay, well, we can turn this into a podcast. Um, and so it just, like, I started, I wrote a song. Um, and then we I started developing the script and then made it so that, like, audio cues would be uh, sort of more understandable to audiences. Um, and... Yeah, that was sort of the process for making it into a podcast. But yeah. 
And I, it's such a sweet, like I, I had so much fun listening to the podcast. I've actually like binged it in one sitting. I couldn't oh stop listening to it. It was so much fun. I, the music is so delightful. It's so much fun. The characters are so great. And I, as a grown up, I love arts and crafts and I love activity worksheets. <laughs> it makes my inner child very happy. And I loved the resources that they had, uh, that you had as part of that podcast the like make a lighthouse and all the the my favorite one was retrieve a bottle of kindness and imagine that you've swallowed a bottle of kindness and write a monologue about what you might say to yourself to achieve oh. a goal. <laughs> it just made my heart so happy I think that's really really beautiful and such a positive message so how does Metro Theatre Company come into play well Again, Megan Allroots, who is, uh, was the faculty advisor uh, with Gwenny and Anna on this project. Uh, she is a, a longtime friend of mine. She taught at the University of Central Florida before she went to UT Austin. And she had been the dramaturg on a project that I um, commissioned when I was in Florida. Uh, it was a piece called Battle Drum. It was a musical about Civil War drummer boys and um, the effects of war on young people, actually, is what, mm. what the musical was about. And she was just brilliant and insightful, and we became fast friends very quickly because we both were interested in creating new work that um, – respected young people and their intelligence and their ability to understand and their ability to process the complex situations in the world that they might uh, come across. And uh, I was in conversation with Megan um, sometime probably in 2020 and said, we need to find another project to work on together. And she said, well, actually, I have these students who have this podcast and you should listen to it. Um, she had already introduced uh, Megan Ann Rasmussen to Gwenny and Anna, and uh, Megan Ann had signed on as a, a producer trying to uh, create a path toward making this podcast into a, a work on stage. And uh, after I listened to the podcast and knowing that Megan Albritz was involved with it, I just said, yes, I'm in. What do we want to do? And, uh, <laughs> and so that was pretty exciting. And that was fairly early on. It was still uh, in the works of coming over from one form to another. Um, and then once... Uh, once I was involved with, and I knew Megan Ann as well, because we had both served on the board of Theater for Young Audiences USA. So I hadn't worked with her, but I, I knew her as well. So I was pretty sure that this was a powerful group of women surrounding this project and that it would be, um, it would be worth, you know, jumping into the water. So uh, the next step was, I think, getting in touch with getting the whole group together and um applying i can't remember gwenny what the what the steps what the order of the steps were but we mm -hmm. submitted it to the pegasus play lab at the university mm -hmm. of central florida yeah. Yeah. um and and that is a workshop for developing new work and it was the only musical and it was the only one for young audiences <laughs> And we felt really lucky to have uh, 10 days, two weeks to immerse in it and, and uh, really kind of play with it. And, and there were young people involved in the process, too, uh, you know, from age, I think, six and up is, uh, uh, and grad students from both universities, University of Texas and University of Central Florida. So it was... I think the first read through, there were 30 something people in the room. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was like really jumping in the deep end, <laughs> which is appropriate yeah. oh for a musical God. called Spells of the Sea, right? So, yeah. um, so That's that was really from like, fun. what was it? A, a six person podcast, like six or seven people in the cast, mm -hmm. if that initially, and then jumping to 30 people for in person. That's amazing. How were yeah. the young people involved? Um, they were all taking classes, I think, uh, or part of a 
theater um, group there in the summer. This was in the summer. And uh, each of the grad students had time with them. So they, th- one of the things that's interesting about the Pegasus Play Lab is it's not just a new play development that has a musical director and a director and a dramaturg. It also has designers and other team members. So, so there were student designers who were suggesting costuming ideas and prop ideas. And there were um, teaching artists who were submitting ideas for engagement and extension. And, and these young people were working with the grad students in these multiple areas. So they came in, the, the one I remember the most is they came in and saw um, saw us do a work through of Act One because Gwenny was writing new songs for Act Two. We weren't ready to show them that yet. Um, but uh, and then we said, "What do you think happens <laughs> in Act Two? And um, and then they started <laughs> designing different things and what they thought the princess might look like, all the things in the script. Uh, which was hugely helpful and illuminating, I thought, in, in terms of where we were going. Gwenny, do you what want to talk a little about that? Children's show. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was great. It was really wonderful, fun to have that opportunity to really focus in that way and have all those people to do it with us. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely agree. It was... Um, that was Anna and I's like first workshop ever, um, sort of like process <laughs> with plays. And so we were like, oh my goodness, we were in a new place. We were in Orlando. And then, um, like you said, Louisa, it was like, we went from like a six person, like sort of like working with like just our friends. And then Anna was directing the podcast. And then now like both of us were like in a brand new place. And then there were 30 people in the room. And then they all had like so many like wonderful and insightful things to say. But like, it was definitely it was a shock at first, um, because we weren't used to that sort of thing. But it was such a cool learning experience, I think, to to have so many people and like to really get that, um, that information from young people, and to have it like, sort of played out um, in front of an audience for the first time ever. Um, That was a really cool experience. And to just like see how people react to the show. Um, Because, you know, when you're when you're listening to the podcast, like obviously there's no audience. It's just you like you could be folding laundry and you could laugh at something or you could not, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So um, it's not easy, I guess, to to see how people react to the show. But yeah, I think that also um, the play went through a bunch of different changes while we were um, at Pegasus Play Lab. I think we cut off like significantly like the amount of time that the play was in. And then there were like some pretty crucial plot points that were um, that got changed. Um, And I don't know, it was just really exciting to um, to sort of like change those things and like see how it like where it's gone now from like the podcast version of the show to like what it is right now I think it's it's so cool and I'm like and then Anna and I were listening to the podcast um a little while ago we were like wow like (laughs) it's so different now but it but we still love it and we still like uh have so much like care for this piece um and it's just I don't know it's it's amazing to see um what like different people can like bring to the process and and you know just like it's it's really it's really um surreal to see like all of these people and and how like they care about this like little show that like we sort of like for like for like just like with ourselves and, and with like our little friend group so yeah it makes me like I got filled with I was so inspired when I discovered that it was a podcast first and like the story behind the podcast too that you'd written it in your dorm and that you were in quarantine and like the idea of missing, like being able to travel and missing your friends and family. And mm-hmm. there's something so beautiful, like now that we're kind of moving further away from that period, mm-hmm. although we're still not out of the pandemic officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like all this art that's been bubbling away under the surface is now like starting to come mm-hmm. come out into the world. And, and when it's beautiful work like this, it just, it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I, Gwenny, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Anna Pickett who directed the podcast mm-hmm. and has been uh, a writing partner for Gwenny on this part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Gwenny, when when we went to UCF, the day before was it, Gwenny? I can't mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gwenny, I, I got COVID. <laughs> yeah. So the first first half of the time at Pegasus, Gwenny was on Zoom. Um, and Anna picked it right up and was, mm-hmm. I mean, the two of them were, were on the computer together and we were working and we would do a number and then say, what do you think, Gwenny? And I, I mean, it was, it was kind of a perfect analogy of the kind of thing that's been happening, what you were talking about, about mm-hmm. art happening in spite of, or, um, you know, triumphing over um, the all the barriers that that the pandemic has put in place, and then eventually when he did was able to join us, and yeah. uh, and and that was a joyful moment. Um, oh, I bet. So, but she did write two yeah. new songs in in her quarantine time. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. which are still in the show. <laughs> so. So she may have not been well, but she was still very creative. It's <laughs> <laughs> so extraordinary. And I love, it's so fascinating to me that this pandemic had happened when it did, because there's never been a time in history where we've had access to the technology like we have right now. Like the fact that Zoom existed, the fact that we had access to this technology, the fact that Zoom existed, the fact that you can make a podcast from your dorm room and that like you can do that safely from quarantine, that we can, um, it's just amazing to me that mm-hmm. this has happened when it happened and how it happened and what yeah. it's been able to spark as a result. It's it's really and, fascinating. And I think how much we've all learned uh, of things that we might never have even explored if, if it weren't for um, the pandemic. Not that I would have chosen to have a pandemic, but uh, it certainly expanded our, our ability to connect to each other in new ways. So, um, and, and re- I really do think Spells of the Sea is largely um, both in the connecting across both the podcast version, but also the way we've been able to connect across the country with different people to help with developing it and, and moving it onto the stage. So pretty exciting. Yeah. And I love Joe Fowler talked last week about your managing director about uh, how the pandemic kind of fast forwarded Metro Theater Company's plans for streaming and I'm very grateful for that because, as I said to Joe, your company has been one of my favorite places to stream from in the past couple of years. So I'm oh, that's lovely. Like we say, we don't we don't want the pandemic. We didn't want it to happen, but some some good things have come out of it. Um, so when you were at Pegasus, was the idea always in the back of your mind that it would the production would move on to Metro Theatre Company as a full production? Yes, um, we. When we came on board, part of what I was excited about about this project was that this is Metro Theatre Company's 50th anniversary season. Um, and we, uh, we have always had um, at the core of what we do, developing new works and um, introducing uh, new voices in the theatre. Um, so when Megan was telling me not only about the story and the podcast and the music and all the things that, you know, if we didn't know Gwenny and Anna, we would love about the piece. Uh, I was equally excited about her enthusiasm for these two young women and um, that, that the idea of starting out your career in a pandemic I mean, it's hard to do, to be a theater artist anyway. That is really like a mountain to climb. Um, so I was excited about both looking back at the 50 years before us and the idea of launching a new musical that represents the next 50 years, you know, and what's to come and voices that are that are fresh and new and I love supporting young female artists. So um, I I love supporting all artists, but I have a special Mm -hmm. place in my heart for young women. So 
Uh, and these two have been, I, I'm saying this with you here, Gwennie, so <laughs> not to embarrass you, but both Gwennie and Anna are extraordinary young women and really wonderfully creative and with this um, huge heart, both of them, for the work, for the mission of serving young people, for making sure that what we put on our stage is um, a thrilling introduction to to the world of theater, because many, many in our audience will be seeing theater for the first time. Whether they see it live or whether they stream it, it will be um, something new and exciting and so what could be better for our 50th anniversary? So when I was talking to Megan, I was in the midst of choosing what would be on our stage. So my hope was always that coming out of, you know, you never know. When you're developing a piece, it could <laughs> totally go sideways. But when we were working on it in Orlando, my hope was always that it would be at, at, um, in the middle of this 50th anniversary season. Oh, how glorious. And so let's come now in 2023, what has the rehearsal process been? Well, it's um, first we had the the development period uh, at UCF, and then we continued that over Zoom, as you were saying. Um, the show mm -hmm. is, I think, 15 minutes shorter than it was in Orlando. Is that right? Pretty much. So. Yeah. yeah, it's uh -huh. so it's gotten very much tighter. Um, and I am really thrilled with the way it's going. Um, we, when we auditioned actors for this, we thought we would have um, maybe three live musicians and then five or six actors. And then we were finding a lot of actors who were also musicians. So now the play is actors who also play the music. So... And we had originally also thought it might have a track, you know, because to fill it out, because so many of the songs, well, you know, from if you've listened to the podcast, they're kind of big and and have that orchestral sound behind a lot of them. But we have some extraordinary actor musicians, and so it's all live. Uh, so that has been very different. We brought in Debbie Wicks-Lapuma, who is this really wonderful um, musical director. She's done a lot of theater for young audiences. Um, and she's, she's also a composer. She's done basically all the Mo Willems musicals. She's done the music for those. Mm -hmm. um, and she is, uh, she's just really great with actors and with musicians so this combination of actor-musician, she keeps saying, I, I say, do we need something here? And she'll go, nope, they've got it. We've got it. We can do it live. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and Fernanda Douglas, who has been the orchestrator and copyist on this project and is also the associate musical director, is uh, it, we just have this really tight, wonderful team who has been helping to take what Gwenny and Anna have worked together to create and then expand it and inspire a company of nine artists to bring it to life. So Gwenny, I would love to have you, I, I would love to hear what your experience of those rehearsals is because you, you're in a very different place um, yes. as an actor now <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah, um, yeah i want to add that Gwenny, you're, you're also now starring in the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, it's been uh very interesting because um you know to go from like being a playwright and then like switching and then like taking on the hat of like of being an actor it's been so cool to like sort of um get that track I have to like pretend that this is not my show um uh, sometimes just so that I can like get into character and like okay this is not I'm like oh, okay I have to pretend that like I didn't write these things but memorization has been a lot easier because I'm like oh okay I know these lines <laughs> um, so that's been great um but um Anna Pickett she has been so amazing um because she's sort of like taken on that um like you know whatever like I'm acting and so I'm like like in a scene and then she'll be like oh like what if we did this and then like she'll be sort of um like 
acting as like uh, more in that like playwriting area. And so like, and then when we get home, we'll like uh, sort of like merge our brains together um, <laughs> and then we'll mm-hmm. like sort of work on edits if, if any edits are needed. But um, it's been really fun. It's It's been a really great process. And I'm so like grateful for all of the wonderful people that um, we've been getting to work with. Uh, you know, like Debbie LaPuma is just amazing. And Fernanda is wonderful as well. And they're all like so talented and just like know so much about, you know, music and and, and directing and Julia has been um, incredible to work with um, just like an amazing director and also the actors in this production are so talented and so multifaceted it's been like really such a blessing to be able to work with all of these people and I'm just so excited uh, for us to like put the show up <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited uh, for you yeah. our, our mermaid Tyler White is also choreographing so we have a lot of people wearing yeah. multiple hats so that is also part of the fun of creating this, I think. Uh, it, you know, necessity being the mother of invention. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to have so many multi-talented people in the room to solve Absolutely. problems if they arise. You know, how do you yeah. make the map glow? How do you find the treasure? Mm-hmm. All those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it sounds so magical. Gwenny, what instruments are you playing? Oh, um, in the show, I am not playing uh, many instruments. I do have like an egg shaker um, <laughs> in, in the show itself. Um, for my the pot, yeah. instrument. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, all of the other actors have been incredible and they're like playing multiple instruments. They're playing like guitar and bass. And, and I think some people are learning instruments for the first time. Um, I'm pretty sure like, I, I think there's, Oh, it's like toy piano and, and melodica and, and, or well, no, I think. <laughs> and a concertina. Yeah. Concertina. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so magical um, to see. Cause if you and, have pirates, yeah. if you have pirates, you have to have a concertina. It's kind of yeah. like the law, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> is there a, um, is a, pe- no, a penny whistle or a flute, or like a fife? Yes. Kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, we have an actor who's had to learn the penny whistle for this. Um, and we have a, a, an actor who's a wonderful cellist that adds a lot to those numbers that are more um, lyrical. Uh, it ha- adds a lot of depth and um and vocally, there's a lot of vocal accompaniment. I would say that mm-hmm. all of the transitions, uh, the moments when scenic pieces might move are mostly accompanied by vocal, um, mm-hmm. trans- using voices as the instrument. So that's pretty yeah. exciting, too. Um, mm-hmm. I need to come see this show like immediately. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have FOMO while it's while it's playing and I can't stream it yet. <laughs> um, I'm curious with the orchestrations. Was it orchestrated prior to the rehearsal process, or is it being orchestrated as you develop things, or kind of both? I think kind of both. Um, as we there were a lot of things shifting. There were some lyrics changing. There were things we went, oh, this should be a little longer, a little shorter. We tried to get as much of that before. I'm trying to remember when we said, okay, this is locked for rehearsal. Um, So that, so that Fernanda could get to work on the orchestration so that we could begin with the, um, with the performers when they came in. But then once they were in the room, it was always part of the plan for, um, and Debbie loves to work this way, that once they're in the room, we have the orchestration, but then in the room, there would be discovery and there would be things to add or to take away. And that has continued to happen really right up until this last week, I think where we go, yeah, you're doing too much in that moment. Let's just take that out and we'll put, put it over here. Um, so uh, and we hope that the effect of that is going to be that, it, that all the elements work together seamlessly. So, it, for example, those scene shifts, that was a discovery in rehearsal. We were like, well, maybe the cello should play into this. Well, the 
well, the pirate ship is moving or whatever. <laughs> um, and, and then they were singing something and Debbie said, what if we did this in that moment? Mm-hmm. And, and it just came together that way. And that was, that one was a discovery in the room. So um, it's mm-hmm. been a combination of both. Uh, this was interesting too, just in terms of talking about technology and our ability to work together on things. We were having regular meetings before rehearsals started, and there was one point where we were having a conversation about the music and all of it coming together, and Gwenny and Anna were in Texas, and Debbie was in California, and Fernanda was working on a project in Mumbai. So we were trying to find a time when, when St. Louis, literally Texas, 12 hours California. apart, like 24 hours apart. <laughs> yeah, literally. So we're going, I think it has to be in this period of time because otherwise somebody's asleep, you know? So if it's 7 a.m. here and it's 7 p.m. there, yeah. 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 So we were, we, there was some of that happening before. Um, but they, uh, all of the, all of the music, um, in terms of what people were singing, which verses, what the, there've been little tweaks after, but that was pretty set when we went to rehearsal and some of the orchestration, at least which instruments were playing. Cause that was the other thing that was a little complicated with it being live on stage. We're like, okay, this person is changing costume. So he can't play the cello right in this number. <laughs> so she go, okay, so I'll rewrite that for the bass guitar <laughs> or whatever. So yeah. yeah, it was like, when do you absolutely need this instrument? Okay. Then I'll put that person moving that piece of scenery because they move all the scenery as well so yeah now i'm picturing a quick change where a cellist is like <laughs> like leaning back on their cello and someone's like the dresser is coming in and changing their outfit <laughs> that would be yeah. super fun and very complicated <laughs> oh i have so many questions you so you know that you're going to film it to stream yeah as you're rehearsing how much of your brain is thinking about the filming aspect or is is it just you know create a stage show and then the people who film it will think worry about the filming uh we are thinking about it a little bit but our primary focus is the stage show um we are very lucky that we before the pandemic were already working with a local um education television station higher education channel um Media is the name, HEC. And uh, so we had been filming some of our productions um, prior to that because they were using some sections of our productions as teaching tools. Uh, So we would film the production. They would have a scene. We would have actors talking um, on on camera, that sort of thing. So they could do um, lesson plans that would be available to teachers. And because of that, we had some things in the can ahead of other people when when the pandemic hit. And that was lovely. But because we had that relationship, we had a little bit of a head start on that. Um, we have been trying as much as possible to film with a live audience. And that means multiple cameras. So we do think about all of that beforehand, like where will the cameras be? Uh, We try to get them, the director into rehearsals once we're in the theater space. This uh, piece is the actors will be mic'd, so it's less complicated. I shouldn't say that. Mm. It will be complicated. <laughs> but, but you the, can you can use the sound from the sound desk. Yes, than, so we'll be yeah. able to use the sound that's the same sound that um, a live audience would hear. Um, mm. But it's always, you know, it's always complicated because it's, it's filmed, but it's filmed live. So that's, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't work with, uh, ba- don't work with animals and children. And now like, do you want to throw film into that? <laughs> <laughs> it's been interesting. And it, do it live. <laughs> yeah, because it, it is so different. It's such a different media. And so um, you want to create the same kind of experience for someone watching on film that the live audience is having. 
uh, and there's no way to really do that one for one, but trying to have that same kind of immediacy. That's why we like to have the live audience, not just for their reactions, but also because the actors, there's a different energy when you're performing um, for a live audience. So capturing that is um, key, I think, to making it really feel like you're in the theater. Yeah. And I, I really believe, I mean, it's why my website exists, that the camera is able to capture that transfer of energy between the audience and, and the actors. And there is evidence, there is like research that has been done out of the UK that audiences watching that energy on screen can have the same, if not more intense emotional reaction to um, to the theater production as the people in the room. So wow. I, it's, mm. yeah, it's so powerful that, that that is able to happen. Gwenny, as as a composer and as a writer, I know that you have um, you worked with the Shakespeare Davis Digital Internship Program. I'm curious, what do you think about the relationship? This is, I know, this is a giant question. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between digital and theater, and like the future of theater streaming and using different mediums to present theater. Mm, yeah. Um, I feel like there's definitely a future for it, um, especially like being someone that sort of like made theater like primarily like I don't know, like the way that I delved into playwriting. Um, it was sort of during the height of the pandemic um, was when I sort of like really delved into writing and and sort of doing that thing. So um, I think at the Davis Shakespeare Festival, I, I wrote a play. It was called like Buried and it was a live streamed sort of like adventure play. Um, which I thought it was really interesting to sort of like discover like what is theater if it's not on a stage. Um, and so we sort of like, we live streamed it on Twitch and it was like, it was a play. And then, um, it, you know, it like had all of the functions of the play, like in, in the script. And it was like, okay, then you go here and you do this. Um, but it was really interesting to discover like blocking when you're like in a digital space and and all of those like different things that you usually do when you're like on a stage um so I think I think that um technology and theater they can definitely go hand in hand I mean um you know like with this sort of like podcast version of the show I think that that definitely um it informed a lot of the things that we were going for I guess like in in a staged version um and so I don't know I I oh it's a big question so um I know, I'm sorry yeah oh no no <laughs> here's no. a can of worms for you no you're good <laughs> <laughs> um I just want to I want to do it justice um so uh but I think that theater and technology definitely like have a future in like sort of creating a marriage between the two things um and I think that, uh, I don't know, they can like coexist, but that they can also like weave in and out of each other. And I think that a lot of art that is like theater can be turned into something that's more digital. And a lot of more digital art can be turned into something that's like more theatrical. So, mm. yeah. Oh, I love that idea of it weaving in and out of each other. That's a really beautiful image and so inclusive that it, it's not one or the other. It's not, you know, one is not replacing the other. They're, they can coexist very happily. Um, I realized that we didn't talk about what is Spells of the Sea about. So um, before we get to the final section, can you walk us through what can we expect of Spells of the Sea? Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, Spells of the Sea follows a 15-year-old fisherwoman named Finley Frankfurter because we love alliteration in this show. <laughs> um, and uh, she has a very famous fisherman father named Ferris Frankfurter. Um, and he sort of falls ill to this very mysterious sickness. And it's an incurable disease. It's called the Big Bad Sickness. And she has to garner the help of the town lighthouse keeper who is very mysterious and sort of like shelled into this lighthouse that he never turns on. Um, and she garners the help of him to find the elixir of life to cure her father. Yeah. <laughs> I'm emotional already. <laughs> so yeah. beautiful. You, you mentioned alliteration and I loved in the resources that are already available on Metro Theatre's uh, website, the tongue twisters. <laughs> Do you, would either of you like to share your favorite tongue twister? Oh my! From the show. 
<laughs> do you want to do it, Gwenny? You could do the I, whole thing. <laughs> I could. Okay, I could try it. <laughs> it's okay. It's <laughs> fie, what a fickle feeling, fermented for fear of feeling, foolish fear that froze that feeling for 400 years, fix the fright and free the feels by feeling five times fast, and frustration, fear, and former feelings will fall far and fast. That's the the, uh, spell that uh, releases the pirate captain from his bottled up feelings. So he's a pirate who doesn't steal gold and jewels. He steals people's feelings because he's not feeling them. (laughs) And Finley and Frank releases feelings through a tongue twister. <laughs> this really... is amazing. You heard it here first. It's going to be the next TikTok sensation. You're going to have kids all over the world doing that. <laughs> oh my goodness. This has been so much fun. I cannot wait to see Spells of the Sea. Uh, this is my final segment. It's called My Favorite Things, where I ask you my favorite questions. These are a few of my favorite things. So, to start us off with, what is your favorite musical? Oh. I, I really, I'm sorry. I, I really love Waitress the musical. It's my favorite. I think right now my favorite musical is this one. I can't oh, get these songs yeah. out of my head. Oh my <laughs> Listeners can't see this, but Gwenny just about fainted. <laughs> That's really beautiful, and I'm I'm so happy that they filmed Waitress, and I'm just I'm waiting for the release date. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping it will be on Pi Day. Oh, yes. <laughs> Three, four. You must wait. Do you have a favorite filmed live musical? Hamilton is pretty great. Filmed on yeah. stage, uh-huh. if you like. Yeah. I think for me, uh-huh. it's it's Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I love that. That's the first time someone's given Shrek. So <laughs> shout out to Shrek. <laughs> um, so a filmed live musical is not exactly a stage show and it's not exactly a film. So what should we call them? Filmsicles? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Musalims>. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I love that. Uh, where do you stand on bootlegs? Oh, I, you know, artists work so hard and they're doing the work because they are wanting to share their voices with others. And to steal that is just wrong. That's my opinion. Yeah. 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 I, I have to agree. What stage musicals do you wish had been filmed? Mm. Wow, that's a stumper for me. I, mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like all the musicals I've seen have been filmed in some capacity, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I guess, I don't know if this has been filmed. Heather's the musical. I listened to the soundtrack a lot. Um, I can send you a link. They filmed it they did? in the West End, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> off West End, and it's uh, you can stream it on Roku. Oh, what? It oh, nice. just okay. was released at the end of last year. It's oh, super wow. fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't have one, I'm sorry to say. That's totally I, okay. I guess probably some of the old classics that had performances, you know, legendary performances in them that, that – mm. You know, it would be loved to, lovely to see. Yeah, if we could go back in time and yeah, right, recapture right. them. Yeah. yeah, my my ultimate dream is um, a box set of Hello Dolly, where it starts with um, Carol, Carol Channing, Channing or- and Pearl Bay. And, you know, all the way through, all the oh, women. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be able to see those classic. Uh, yeah. What a dream. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. What would you like to see filmed in the future? Ooh, oh, um, I feel like anything site specific. Um, I'm I've been following Sammy Cannold, who like does a lot of um, like really cool site specific theater. I don't know if any of her stuff has been filmed, but I would love to see any of her musicals that she's put on. Um, yes, yeah, I am yeah. dying to see her Sunset Boulevard that's happening right mm-hmm. now. Yes, oh. same. What I would give. Yes. 
Yeah, I think that that kind of filming will be the new challenge, I think, that sort of um, taking it beyond um, the proscenium and into uh, an immersive form and trying to capture that yeah. immersion experience for people who are watching it at home. That will be exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's amazing, again, back to the pandemic, how much has exploded since then yeah it's it's very exciting um where can we find you both online oh well i'm on metroplace.org is the (laughs) easiest place to find me Um, as artistic director of metro theater company that's mostly where i live so and gwenny um, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm mm. at Gwenigov, G-W-E-N-N-Y-G-O-V. And Wonderful. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have links to that in the show notes. And where can we, where and when can we watch Spells of the Sea? Uh, Spells of the Sea will be, um, I'm not sure the exact date. It's available for streaming. But if you go to metroplays.org, you will see Spells of the Sea there. We open live on February 5th, and we film during that week after, and then it will be available uh, for a limited run online following that. So Wonderful. Yes, we're hoping to reach a lot of young people and families who maybe don't have access to a theater in their town or can't make it to St. Louis, Um, and this is a great way to share that experience together in your own home I, I totally can't. <laughs> this this little child <laughs> is is super excited um thank you both so so much I'll break a leg next mm-hmm. week for your opening and i cannot wait to tune in well it's wonderful to be here with you and uh we'll we'll uh, wave to you from the other side of the camera <laughs> The Filmed Live Musicals podcast is created and edited by our host, Louisa Lyons. With thanks to our wonderful patrons, Josh Brandon, Geraldine Brewer, Belinda Broido, Elliot Charles, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, Luke Hasselman, David Jones, James T. Lane, Heather Madrone, Wendy Marcotte, Alison Matthews, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Amy Penn, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, Joe Tillotson, Beck Twist and Tyson Von Helsing for financially supporting the site. Filmlifemusicals.com is the most comprehensive list of film stage musicals. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you would like early access to this very podcast, early access to site content, the full weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams, and exclusive access to the streaming calendar, become a Filmed Live Musicals patron for as little as $3 a month. Visit filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Music. It really helps get the word out about the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.